if your soil temperature is too warm at the time you need to plant, the seeds of your crop may not germinate properly or soon enough to ensure that you get a harvest before the first frost or freeze hits. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This Garden Talk Tuesday, we're talking about planning for your fall garden. Now, I know many of you are just now getting your first real harvests of the season, and for those of you in much cooler climates, your fall garden may mostly be a continuation of whatever you have in the ground right now. But that doesn't mean there aren't things that you can interplant within those summer items that can survive after you get your first fall frost, which I know can come a lot sooner than many of us experience. For those of you in much warmer or temperate climates, your fall garden may look very different and will likely come a lot later than the rest of us because your warm crop growing season is so much longer and you either experience frost very late in the season or not at all. For those of us that definitely have all four seasons, we're just beginning to pick our first summer crops. And so now really is the time to be planning and even starting your fall garden. And for my gardening friends in the Southern Hemisphere, listen to this podcast and then bookmark it for six months from now and come back and give it another listen then. I'm looking at you, Australia. So before we dig into this week's episode, I want to give a big warm welcome to Caitlin, our newest patron over on the Patreon page. Caitlin has become a patron at the Seed patron level, and her monthly monetary support gives her access to exclusive content that can only be found on the Patreon page and is for patrons only. In addition to that, she gets my undying gratitude. Caitlin, thank you so much. If you're interested in becoming a patron like Caitlin and others, head to the link in the show notes to see the benefits of each patron level and how you can support this podcast. I would also like to welcome our newest listeners in Puerto Rico. Welcome to the Just Grow Something family. I am so happy you are here. And if you're looking for a place to connect with other gardeners and people interested in the food and ag industries, then you can head to the link that I'm going to put in the show notes to the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook page. And that is where we can discuss all things gardening and all things food and ag in a very safe, non-judgmental space. Now, let's dig in to planning for your fall garden. If you listened to my episode on the importance of a garden journal, you know that my fall garden is already planned out well in advance. I plan the rotation of my garden seasons, put the dates on the calendar, lay them out in the garden map, and I do this all in the winter. That doesn't mean it won't change, but it certainly takes some of the stress and guesswork out of what I should be doing at different times of the season. And I certainly suggest doing that if you have the time or the inclination. But if you didn't do that, or you like to decide closer to the season what you'll plant for the fall, or if maybe something has changed dramatically in your garden plan, now's the time to start figuring that out. 
The calendar may say July, but soon enough the summer crops will begin to senesce and you'll have places to fill in. Planning for the fall garden can take many forms and much of it depends on your garden layout. Typically in my gardens, I have beds that were planted specifically to spring crops and beds specific to summer crops with a little bit of crossover and interplanting here and there. So in most instances, whatever I planted in those spring beds will be duplicated for the fall. At this time of the season, all my spring brassicas and leafy greens have given their all and it's time to clear those beds and prep them for later. The same goes for the spring-planted root veggies like beets, turnips, and onions. All of these beds are being cleared right now to make way for the fall crops. But if you have fewer spaces to garden in, there's nothing that says you can't interplant some fall veggies in the understory of your summer plants to give yourself more time to transition and more space for growing additional veggies. Experiment here with spacing and just keep the nutrient and water requirements in mind when you interplant, but there are lots of options for pushing the boundaries to get more out of whatever space you have. Now, in most years here, we've gone from rainy and cool in the spring and jumped right into hot and dry. So the transition from spring to summer is pretty dramatic and the end of the spring crops is almost as cut and dry. This usually gives me time for a summer cover crop to go into those spring beds while I wait for the right time to plant those fall veggies. The summer crop I use is buckwheat. It grows really quickly. It creates a lot of biomass to work back into the soil, and it can get nice and tall so when I mow it down, it lays flat and makes an instant mulch that I can plant right into for fall. I'll do an episode all about cover crops in the garden, but just know for now that a cover crop is a really good way to prevent weeds from popping up in an empty garden bed while still preventing soil erosion and putting green matter back into the soil when it's not being used for an actual crop. Now, this year for our gardens, the weather conditions were a bit different. You've heard me talk about the almost foot of rain that we got in May and the really cool weather conditions, and then three weeks of bone dry weather and super high heat, and then another seven inches of rain over the last week in June. This meant that the spring veggies actually stayed in their beds for longer than usual, partly because the harvest timing was off a little bit due to the weather conditions, and then partly because we were so busy trying to get the warm season crops planted later than usual that there's really been no time to focus on the spring beds. So I just don't really have time this year to get a summer crop or a summer cover crop in because it wouldn't really have much time for growth here before I'd need to mow it and plant into it. But if you're in a warmer climate where your first fall frost is later in the season, you absolutely have time for this. Now, for my northern gardeners, you likely won't ever really have time for a summer cover crop, but I will talk about some options for you in an upcoming episode. So regardless of whether you have a very long summer growing season, a relatively short one, or you can grow year-round, the basics of planning for the fall garden are the same. Just take the principles I lay out here and apply them to your climate and frost dates. And if you're going to try to extend your garden even further past the fall into the winter, you'll also want to know when the Persephone period begins for your area. And we'll get back to that in a minute. Let's start with what you can grow in the fall. Basically, 
anything you're able to grow in the early spring in your area, you can grow in the fall. And in a lot of cases, you may actually have more luck with it in the fall than you would in the spring. In most climates, this means cool weather crops like cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, collards, mustard, um, leafy greens like spinach and lettuce and arugula, and then all the cool season root veggies like carrots and beets and turnips and radishes. Now, the good thing about those leafy greens is that they can tolerate some shade. So those are great options for planting in between and in the understory of taller summer plants like tomatoes and peppers, taking advantage of the cooler shady spot underneath while waiting for the summer heat to pass. The other benefit to growing the leafy greens in the fall is that most of the summer garden pests have eased up a little bit, so you'll have less pest pressure there, and the cooler temperatures mean less watering. So to ensure that you get to harvest any of these more tender crops before a hard freeze hits, check your area's expected first frost date in the fall. For example, our first expected frost here in the fall is around October 15th. So once you know that, you can plan when to plant based on each crop's days to maturity. So you find that information either on the seed packet or on the plant tag from the nursery. Most crops have a general range of dates, though, so I base my planting on that and not necessarily on a specific variety unless it's a quick maturing variety. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to a handy table from the Old Farmer's Almanac website that has some common frost dates, typical fall crops that you'll plant, and the usual days to maturity. It'll give you a general idea for when you should plan to plant those crops. I usually pick a date a week or two before my first frost date because you can't really account totally for cooler weather that may hit early or unusually warm temperatures that may hinder your growth. And now here's where you may decide it's a good idea to start your seeds indoors, even if you usually direct sow your seed in the garden. If you're in a climate like ours where the summers are really warm, that means the soil temperatures are really warm. That's great for warm season crops, but not so great for germinating the seeds of cooler season crops. If your soil temperature is too warm at the time you need to plant, the seeds of your crop may not germinate properly or soon enough to ensure that you get a harvest before the first frost or freeze hits. So the solution to this is to count back even further to account for germination and a week or so of growth on your plants before putting them in the ground and use that date as a date to start seedlings indoors where you can control the germination temperature. Otherwise, you'll just need to plan to buy garden starts from your local nursery. Just make sure you check it out ahead of time to be sure that your nursery carries fall crops and give yourself time to track down seeds if you can't find what you need at the nursery. So I'll give you an example for our climate. For fall brassicas in our area in general, you want to plant them around July 15th to get them harvested just before the first fall frost. Now, keeping in mind that some crops actually taste a little better once they've had a light frost, like Brussels sprouts and Napa cabbage, this date can be a little flexible. And those crops that may not do as well with frosts, like broccoli or cauliflower, we always have a frost cloth on hand to protect them if needed. 
So if we stick to that July 15th date, I know I need to start my seeds indoors at least two weeks before that, maybe even as much as three weeks. So on my calendar, I had a seedling start date for those brassicas of June 25th. And I totally missed that date. (laughs) This season has been crazy, and so my schedule has been completely off. So my brassicas are getting started late, which means I'm definitely going to need some frost cover around just in case. Now, if you're further south than us, your date for planting is likely closer to late August to mid-September, which certainly gives you the opportunity to plant a summer cover crop in those beds. Now, for things like carrots and beets, I can direct sow those in the ground between the end of July and the beginning of August, and I can totally be pulling those ahead of a frost. And to be honest, I always plant a second batch of carrots right alongside my fall crop with the intention of keeping those in the ground beyond the first few freezes. Winter carrots are the sweetest thing you will ever taste out of the ground. And that brings me to the Persephone period I mentioned earlier. This really pertains to any crops you plant in the fall that you plan to keep in production over the winter. Persephone was the Greek goddess of agriculture, and I believe this term was actually coined by Elliot Coleman. He's the pioneer in four-season gardening, specifically winter gardening. He has a bunch of really great books that I highly recommend. The Persephone period is the time of year when the daylight hours drop below 10 hours per day. This is when most plant growth comes to a screeching halt. Plants will only grow a minuscule amount during this period, so any plants that you plan to overwinter need to be just about full grown by this point. This includes things like spinach and kale and hardy leaf lettuces that can be protected with row covers or caterpillar tunnels. Our Persephone period here begins in the middle of November, about a month after our first expected frost. So any frost-tolerant plants that we intend to harvest from over the winter need to be 100% grown by this point. I really do encourage you to find a little spot in the garden where you can plan a winter garden to, to, uh, to seed or to plant in the fall. Even if it's hardy greens that only need like a row cover and some mulch, it's really very satisfying to walk outside to the garden and clip fresh greens for a salad in the middle of the winter. I'll link to a uh, sunrise and sunset table in the show notes that'll help you determine when your Persephone period is. This is an area where container gardeners have an advantage. If you're growing most of your crops in movable pots, you have a little bit more flexibility. You can bring your pots into a protected area if an early frost threatens to hit or bring them inside altogether and continue growing them under grow lights. I always keep some pots indoors in the winter with herbs and greens I can harvest from and use cheap little clip-on grow lights to supplement the light from the window so we continue to get some growth from them. Now, now is the time when you can also be planting some crops for the spring. This is a great way to get a jump on your spring garden if you find a lot of the time like we do, the spring weather is unpredictably wet and you're often unable to work in the garden beds according to your schedule. Planting crops like carrots, onions, kale, and spinach so that they're about 75% grown before the Persephone period hits and then protecting them with mulch or row cover over the winter 
allows them to come out of dormancy and begin growing again right on time for a nice early crop the following season. If you've got the space, go for it. It's so nice to be harvesting carrots super early in the spring as one of the first things to come out of the garden. Fall is also when you should be planting your garlic. Now, the old wisdom says garlic is planted on the shortest day of the year and harvested at the summer equinox, the longest day of the year. Okay, now that's give or take, of course, but you want garlic in the ground so that it can get established before the ground freezes solid. Make sure you are really, really, really mulching it very well if you are in an area where the ground does freeze solid to avoid that heaving that can happen and keep the garlic from popping up out of the ground. But if it gets established in the fall, it too will take off growing right away in the spring. So right now is when you need to be ordering your seed garlic too if you don't have any. And be forewarned, it always seems to sell out really fast. Now this isn't to say that you can't plant spring garlic, but just know that the bulbs aren't going to be nearly as large as if you had planted them in the fall. So what other things could you be planting to grow right now? Fall is a great time to plant perennial crops like strawberries and asparagus, and perennial herbs like mint, oregano, thyme, and sage. Planting these perennials in the fall gives them a chance to develop really good root systems while avoiding the heat stress they may face in the summer months. This gets them nicely established and helps ensure a really good harvest the following year or in a couple of years in the case of the asparagus. This is also the time to be planting perennial flowers. The bonus with this is there are a lot of fall flowering perennials available at the garden centers this time of the year, and they may be discounted too as they're trying to clear out their inventory. So you can add some color to the garden this fall that comes back again year after year and save a little money too. Now, if you're in a more temperate climate, there are likely some of these veggies that you may have a difficult time growing no matter what time of the year, just based on your temperatures. Some climates at the most extreme edges of our growing zones just don't see a frost, and they may not be suitable to growing things like cauliflower. But you guys do get the advantage of growing things that we certainly can't hear, like tropical fruits, so it's a trade-off. Growers at the opposite end of the spectrum, where frost hangs around late in the spring and comes back really early in the fall, may be growing some of these crops right alongside your warmer season crops. The key with planting with the seasons, no matter what season or what climate, is to know the temperature conditions of your seasons and understand which crops do best in those conditions. I hope this encourages you to plan a little bit to get a fall garden in. I really do think that we should be able to take advantage of all of the space that we have grow, uh, available to us to grow our own food and to learn to be able to transition those seasons across the year so that we can get the most out of each space. I hope you'll join me back here again on Friday for another Focal Point Friday episode. And in the meantime, go check the links in the show notes to go check out the uh, Facebook page and see if we can get you into our new Facebook group to talk all things gardening and food and ag. And check out the Patreon page from the link in the show notes. And I will talk to you again soon.
You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened, rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.